I'm here in Izbica. It's one of those places where you travel through to get to somewhere else. It really doesn't mean anything on the map at all. It used to be a town and now it's just a village. It used to be on one of the main roads which linked Warsaw with Lvov, now Lviv in Ukraine. But after the changes of the borders in 1945, Izbica is, you know, pushed towards the peripheries. Before the war there used to be around 6,000 residents here. Now it's not even 2,000, so three times fewer than there were before the war. Now what is interesting is that in 1939, 90% or even over 90% of the residents of this village, or what was then town of Izbica, were Jewish. Izbica was called the Jewish capital. There were so many of them here. You hear the plane roaring down out of control and then crashing into silence. A state of war has existed. It would be still more foolish to lose heart and courage. Thousands of people like me perished. Some of us survived. I am one of those. Untold Stories from the Secret State Message from the Holocaust Part 4 It's an extremely chilly evening here in Izbica. I'm standing in the old Jewish graveyard, the Kirkut. The history of this place goes far and beyond the history of the United States of America. It's amazing to think that this Kirkut, this cemetery, was founded in 1754, yet the last people to be buried here was in 1942. Although in that year, no one was thinking about decorative matabot or ceremonies for the dead. It was in this place where Jews were shot and then thrown into deep, dug-out trenches. But before the Germans started to take part in this killing spree, they decided to destroy all the symbols here. The graveyard was completely and utterly destroyed. The Gestapo forced the Jewish residents to destroy the graves of their loved ones, of the people closest to them. Then, if that wasn't enough, the Gestapo would then force them to carry the gravestones, the Matavod, down into the town uh, where they would be used to build the local prison. The Kirkut and the synagogue did not survive the war, but what have survived are the testimonies about the local chief of the Gestapo here, a man called Kurt Engels. A testimony by an Izbita resident, even though it was taken and recorded some dozens of years after the war ended, 
just shows how absolutely terrified she still was of what happened here. Let's now listen to some source material from the archive of the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. Engels. Do you know him? That means, have you heard about Engels? He was an executioner, a Gestapo man who used to live in front of the municipal building. There was a building which served as his headquarters. They said about him that he wouldn't eat his breakfast before he had killed a Jew. And he used to run outside in the morning and bang, bang somewhere, wham! And he killed one or a few. Did you say it? I saw those killed very frequently because they were lying around. Immediately there was a buzz and people flocked to see them. I didn't see when they were killing them. Only, only he was famous for killing with a smile. He wasn't nervous. Only he had a smile on his face at that time. Out of the 6,000 Jews who lived in Izbica, only 14 survived. In the late summer of 1942, where it might have been early autumn, Karski spends a few hours here in Izbica. But it is those few hours which are enough for Karski to see things which he will then never forget. He is not allowed to speak to anyone. He is only there to observe. Back in those times, Izbica is the last stop on the way to extermination. There is no room here on the ramp I'm standing now for the tens of thousands of Jews which are transported here from all across occupied Europe. Waiting for the railway cars, whole families wait under an open sky. The trains from Izbica station only go in two directions, south to the extermination camp in Belzec or to the northeast to the crematoria at Sobibur. After arriving in Izbica, Karski walks into a shop and changes into an SS man's uniform. He then leaves the shop and with a steady stride walks towards the railway platform. The train has just arrived. Why spend in that camp probably no more than 20, 25 minutes. Again, I couldn't take it, frankly. Jan Karski remembers his time in Izbica in an interview with Claude Landsman. It was total confusion. Shipment of the Jews to the trains. And now, what I understood at that time, they were apparently telling the Jews they take them for forced labor. And now, it's horrible, horrible scene. Sh those shouts, despair, mother dragging their children. They enter the track. They cannot reach it. They are too weak. They were pushed? Gestapo, militia. Beating them, pushing them like pigs, like, like not human. The total hell, total hell. And now comes the story. 
the train moved a little by two trucks, three trucks. On the floor, there is a white, whitish powder. And now, I asked the Estonian militiamen, what is it? He says, that's all right, that's all right. This is for their hygiene. This is quicklime. So when they die, there is no problem. They will not contaminate the air. Already, I heard uh, wild shouts. Well, you know, undescribable. I entered the camp in company of an Estonian militiaman wearing a uniform of an Estonian militiaman and having some sort of ausweis that I was allowed to enter the camp and leave the camp, having shown the ausweis. There was no wall like in Warsaw, essentially barbed wire. I don't think it was electrified. I entered the camp uh, not through the main gate, uh, through one of those primitive entrances. And now, the militiaman, apparently he had instructions that I, for one reason or another, I want to see as much as possible what is going to happen. So then already within the camp, he directs me what he called good spot, which was... Did you, did you ask him what was the meaning of this uh, screaming, of this shouting that you heard on the way? Oh, yes, on my way. Well, his answer was the Jews are hot. You will see it. Today the Jews are uh, hot. As a matter of fact, I remember he said something. There is a new batch uh, which is going to be processed today. In front of the gate, there was a train, cattle train. Now I counted. Forty-six wagons were there. I had no difficulty counting them because the train was moving. Now, there was this ramp platform mm -hmm. from the gate leading to directly to the train. Now, as you know, cattle train does not have steps, only on a high level, so it is not easy to enter the train. If you want to leave it, you have to jump, of course, mm -hmm. down. And now, in that part of the camp, and I don't know how many, it must have been 5,000, 4,000, 6,000, well, th this cannot be described. Crowd, moving, some collective moving body. 
the Jews, women, children, men, shouting, quarreling with each other, fighting against each other. Evidently hungry. I specifically remember some Jew totally, completely naked. The dreadful scene seen in Izbica, the voices, the stench which rose in the air, will torment Karski for the rest of his life. It was almost as if Karski never left Izbica. I'm standing here by the Jan Karski Memorial in the center of Izbica. Okay, so what do we have here? Jan Karski, who was an emissary of the Polish underground state, in October 1942 managed to enter the ghetto transition camp in Izbica, from where Jews were deported to the German extermination camps, Belzec and Sobibor. The witness of the Holocaust goes on his final mission to meet with the leaders of the world as it was. You hear the plane roaring down out of control and then crashing into silence. A state of war has existed. It would be still more foolish to lose heart and courage. Thousands of people like me perished. Some of us survived. I am one of those. In this episode, we used archive materials from Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, the Polish National Digital Archive, the Claude Lanzmann Shoah Collection, and the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. This podcast is made by Free Range Productions for the Big Histories Foundation. This production of the first 10-episode series of Untold Stories from the Secret State is financed by the Polish Ministry of Foreign Affairs as part of the Public Diplomacy 2020, a new dimension competition. More information about the series can be found at www.secretstate.pl. <laughs>